This is a Spudcast, a podcast from baobalb.org. Good morning, dear congregants. It's an honor and a privilege for me to fellowship with you this morning and to share with you from the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. We read from verse 14 to verse 24. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So, I find the law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What what a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. We read up to here. I want us to pause at the following verses, verse 17 and verse 18. I'm just reading it again. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the nature to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. We read this from. Dear congregation, Paul had a desire to visit the Church of Rome. Rome was a very important and strategic city for spreading the gospel. Paul had never visited the church in Rome at the time he was writing the epistle. And it seems that the church at that time was very well established. No apostle had actually founded this congregation. It seems that the 
visiting Jews and proselytes. It's those people who were converted, Gentiles were converted to um, Judaism from Rome. That they were among the crowds who converted on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached a powerful sermon and thousands of people came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That these people from Rome, when they returned to their city, spontaneously started to witness to their friends and their families, their neighbors, and everybody they found on the street. And a congregation was established for the Lord in this important city. The church in Rome consisted of both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Paul seems to be aware of some tension, some intellectual or theological problems that concern the Christians in this congregation. And in this letter, he sets out to answer some of these issues. Even though the Jewish Christians was in the minority, we see that the Jewish belief, the Jewish approach of justification by self-righteousness and justification by works featured very prominently. It is for this reason that Paul deals with the fundamental Christian principles of righteousness and grace as opposed to the Jewish approach of self-righteousness and justification by works. The doctrine of justification by works found its way into the early church. And in fact, it is still prevalent in the church today. If we have to go out this morning and we do a survey among Christians, various churches, ask people if they think they'll go to heaven, those who answer positive, if you ask them then, why do they think they'll go to heaven? Most will tell you about all the good things they did, about all the sacrifices they've made, but how often they attend church and read their Bibles, how much money they donate to the church, what charities they are supporting. We see this doctrine still present in the church today. During the 4th century, men and women separated themselves from society to become hermits in an attempt to escape from sin. There was this belief that this world was sinful, and that in order to live a life that is pleasing to God, you needed to escape from this world. And we find that Christians went and lived in monasteries and in convents. The monks and nuns lived a life of self-denial. They abstained from the possession of worldly goods. The monks did not eat and drink more than was absolutely necessary. Many monks ate nothing else but bread and drank only water. They frequently fasted for periods of time and actually ate nothing. 
at all. Monks soon realized that the sin was following them right into the monasteries and the convents. And then they started to believe that their bodies was the seat of sin. And they started to chastise themselves by beating themselves with whips until the blood was running down their bodies. All monks and nuns abstained from marriage. Martin Luther, the great reformist, had an earnest desire to be free from sin. And he wanted to find peace with God. And that led him in his early days to also enter a monastery and to devote himself to the monastic life. Martin Luther tortured himself in an attempt to attain purity of heart and to stand approved before God. It was so bad that at one point he looked like a skeleton. But with all this effort, his burdened soul found no relief. He was at last driven to the verge of despair as the battle between good and evil continued in him. As Christians, we are faced with all kinds of conflict in our lives. And the most important is the one between good and evil, between what is right and what is wrong. The battle goes as far back as the time of Adam and Eve, when they sinned in paradise and tried to hide in shame behind the trees. Because we are all branches of the same tree, none of us can avoid this conflict and battle. There is sin in our hearts, in our spirits, in our deeds, and even in our attitudes. Paul says, nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. All of us have to struggle with this. In each one of us lives two people. There is the good person who does good and obeys God's commandments. But there is also the bad person who does bad things and obeys Satan. Indeed, Paul describes himself as two people. On the one hand, he wants to do good, but on the other hand, he wants to do what is bad. He is therefore engaged in a battle. You often hear people saying, but I can't help myself. In all honesty, many of us have uttered these words at one point or another. Most of us have thought it or said it countless times. If you look at Paul's complete message to the Romans, we know he is neither calling us to despair nor giving us free reign to sin, but is helping us reckon with reality. Sin is in me. It is part 
of my very nature. Paul also empathizes with our plight. I want to do what is right, but inevitably I do or say the wrong thing. My heart yearns to do God's will, but sin still has me in its evil grasp. Something else deep in my lower nature is at war in my mind, in my heart, and so often it wins the battle. The bottom line is that I want to do God's will, but I still find myself enslaved to sin. I can't help myself, we often say. Paul was a renewed man. And what he describes as my sinful nature refers to his human nature apart from divine influence, devoid of the Holy Spirit. In the old, unrenewed men, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, nothing good lives. To be in the Spirit is to be under the guidance and the influence of the Holy Spirit. When Paul uses the words, my sinful nature, he does not mean that in his body there was nothing good, as if the body was the seed of sin in men and nothing more. Paul frequently uses the phrase sinful nature in reference to sins which had no connection with the body such as envy, pride, sedition, and heresies. The world to do good is present in all Christians, but our deeds are often lacking. All Christians are faced with this conflict. When we become aware of our sins, we are overcome by feelings of guilt. When it appeared to Luther that all was lost, God raised up a friend and a helper for him. The pious Staupitz opened the word of God to Luther's mind, and he told him to look away from himself, to stop punishing his body and torturing himself for violating God's law and to look to Jesus for his salvation, for pardon. Sometimes towards the end of the year 1512, Luther was sitting with the Bible open before him. He had begun to study Paul's letter to the Romans. And coming to Romans 1 verse 17, he read, the just shall live by faith. Luther paused. He pondered. Then an unspeakable joy flooded his heart. The burden of his soul rolled away. Up until now, he had tried to earn salvation by his own good works but never had been able to feel that he had done enough. 
Now God had spoken to him. Luther had learned that man is saved not by works, but by faith. But Luther realized that it is not what he does for God that gives him salvation, but what God has done through him by grace through Jesus Christ. We are not saved by our good works, but by faith in Christ. Romans 1 verse 17 had become to him the gate to paradise. That was Luther's conversion. That was the turning point in the history of the church, the start of the Reformation. Our only hope is to humble ourselves, to confess our sins, to plead for forgiveness and to believe in the love and grace of God. This should be accompanied by a firm commandment to triumph over sin and as far as possible to correct the injustice caused by sin. Sin has been defeated. Jesus did it on our behalf. The power of sin in our flesh and our blood has been defeated. As believers, we are not condemned because we are in Jesus Christ. This means that we are no longer condemned by the law, but under God's grace. God no longer looks at our sins. Instead of seeing us, he sees Jesus on the cross. He was the one that was judged. He was punished. We are therefore free because we believe in Jesus Christ. How often have we experienced the grace and mercy of God? He strengthened us by sending the Holy Spirit to live in us and give us the power to overcome sin. Though often tempted and many times have fallen into sin, He lovingly reaches out to help us up. We need to persevere and to rely on Him because it is not through our good works, but it is through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we receive salvation and everlasting life. May the Lord bless us. Amen. Baobalb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobalb.org.